is Aaron Crown of MortgageImplode.com, and you're listening to Run to Gold. Welcome back to the 69th episode of the Run to Gold.com podcast. Uh, I actually have Bill Rounds here from HowToVanish.com, California attorney, and we focus a lot on privacy law over there on uh, How to Vanish. And with this particular podcast, I want to talk a little bit about the latest article there uh, where the British are stealing people's kids and then apply a little bit of economic analysis to how this could be a potential threat or a very large threat for those of us here in the United States. So welcome, Bill. Hi, Trace. How are you? Great, great. Doing very well. I was actually I just spent pretty much the entire day today uh, sitting in government lines removing some of my territorial jurisdiction uh, ties, or I guess you could say... <laughs> increasing them in some cases, but overall it'll uh, give me a lot more flexibility. And one of the reasons I've done this is because I don't want to have these types of threats looming over me. So can you give a little bit of a brief overview about what has happened uh, to these women uh, with the British government? Well, as I wrote in the article, there were two women in Britain, and both of them were deemed... Uh, to be unfit mothers for one reason or another. Both both reasons were uh, fairly flimsy. One was diagnosed as narcissistic, and the other one had a low IQ and some other uh, mental problems. Obviously, not ideal mothers, but didn't seem like anything that would be uh, that would require the government to take away their children. So they both didn't know each other well in England. Decided to move to Spain to escape these requirements of the British government who were going to take their children once they were born. Uh, they were pregnant at the time. So they get to Spain and they, they are neighbors. Um, one of the women fortunately had her baby and was able to uh, get it home and had no problem. The other one, uh, she had her baby and while she was still in the hospital, social services came and took her baby from her. Um, so, the, you know, there's a few more details of the story, but that is basically uh, what happened. Oh, man, isn't that just horrible? Like, as if as if the state is going to do a better job at parenting uh, these kids, you know, but uh, that's... And, the... you know, I've, I've, I've seen cases with um, children in, in situations in foster homes and things like that that are, are not good. Um, I... I you know, I, I don't know the specific situation of these women, but um, it, it can't be any worse than uh, what foster home and foster parenting would potentially give them. Yeah, and I, I actually have a very attenuated family member through marriage, basically, uh, who works for uh, works in like child services and things like that. And so he actually goes into a lot of these foster homes and. And some of the stories he tells me, it's just, oh, it's just horrible. The, the amount of abuse that goes on in the state-run uh, institutions and stuff, and a lot of these uh, foster parents, you know, they'll take the kids in merely to get the money uh, that the state gives them, and then they uh, treat, the, treat the kids very poorly. Uh, but what I wanted to talk a little bit about was uh, tying this in with the economics that are happening. Because in California, a, a report came out, some uh, professor of finance and like four of his graduate students did a report on the California pension fund system, and they found that if you change the discount rate from 
8% to 4.14%, which is actually a little bit more realistic in this zero interest rate environment, that California pension funds are about $500 billion underwater, uh, that they're underfunded by about half a trillion dollars. And so we've got the city of LA, they want to reduce services two days a week, you know, reduce uh, close offices and things. And the state and local governments, they're going to be looking for money anywhere they can get it. And where's a way that they can get money? They can go and kidnap people's children, uh, charging the parents being unfit because they're narcissistic or because they didn't cross a lowercase j or whatever it is. Uh, use any type of justification that they try to use to steal the kids so that they can then get uh, funds for those kids. You know, there might be federal funds available, there might be state funds available, we don't know. But this, I think, is going to become an increasingly large problem for people that they need to keep their, their those that, that they have a duty to protect, they, they need to take that seriously, you know, parents and their children. And one of the, you know, what are some of these ways that we can, that we can protect our children from these, I mean, kidnappers? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in the case of these two women, they had the right idea which was before they were subject to the jurisdiction of England, when their babies were born, they left um, before they had the chance, uh, before England had the chance to, uh, to take their children. Um, there were some other things that they probably should have done. I don't know the, the specifics of what they did once they got to Spain, um, but uh, they could have taken other measures to rent their property anonymously or or purchase their property in the name of a trust or something like that so that they wouldn't alert uh, the British officials to where they had gone um, or, or where they were residing when their children were born. Um, and so this could certainly apply in any other situation as long as it's legal to remove yourself from the jurisdiction that could potentially be threatening um, kidnapping or increased enforcement of speed traps or anything like that, uh, removing yourself for all intents and purposes from those jurisdictions and establishing residency or establishing yourself in another jurisdiction that is less likely to engage in that kind of uh, kidnapping behavior. Yeah, so the use of ghost addresses, the use of LLCs or trusts to actually rent the property that you would live in, not disclosing your actual physical address to anybody. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different tools that we discuss on how to vanish, how to do this. And in some cases, you know, it might be important to retain an attorney to actually get some of this paperwork done or at least get your uh, situation squared away so that it looks, so that, you know, when the test, when, when the legal test is done about whether or not you've actually moved residency, you've got all the paperwork in order to show that you have. And uh, I know we've actually been doing quite a bit of research lately on this topic, you particularly for some clients. So maybe you can discuss a little bit about that and how it can help some of our listeners here. Right. Well, uh, every state is going to be a little bit different. But nationally, when they look at your residence, they look at um, several factors or several different facts. And so 
you know, in, in this world of a lot of travel, people have residences in several areas. They may have a business in three or four different states, um, three or four different businesses. Sometimes it's hard to nail down where their actual residence is, where their actual state of residence is. So um, they apply these factual tests, um, which have been developed through case law to determine where they actually reside. And, you know, there, there's some, some facts are going to fall on one side of the line and some facts are going to fall on the other side of the line. But overall, um, to establish residency, you kind of have to show enough of those facts. Yeah, so if, you, if you've got a lot of those facts in place that, uh, and, and you've got documentation for it, boom, you know, you're able to, uh, in most cases, satisfy those requirements. For example, uh, might be where your bank account is or where you attend church or uh, other things of that nature. Now, kind of shifting, shifting gears, I was having lunch actually with one of, uh, one of my readers today and he, and for those who don't know I'm actually outside of the United States I'm halfway around the globe you could say and anyways it was fun having lunch with him but he's taken these steps to uh, insulate himself and protect his children from these various uh, predators out there that are that are after him and so I think like I was discussing this topic with him at lunch and, you know, it's a jungle out there, and you've got these big, mean creatures like Tyrannosaurus rexes, and you've got little velociraptors, and you've got jaguars. You've got all these creatures in the jungle that are just after you. And the big creatures, you know, the Tyrannosaurus rexes, those are kind of like our big welfare state governments, uh, like England, for example. And then you've got your common criminals, which might be a smaller uh, but still deadly uh, animal. And so what you have to do is you have to develop your own types of defense mechanisms to keep yourself safe and protected from these, uh, from these different predators that are after you or your children. And so I, I gave him the example, you know, you want to have an invisibility cloak so that you can just kind of wrap yourself up in it and become invisible to the Tyrannosaurus rex or the the jaguar that's after you, and then also have the ability to teleport. You know, if you can, if you're being chased by a Tyrannosaurus Rex and you wrap yourself up and become invisible and then you teleport two miles away, well, chances are you're not going to get eaten. And being able to do that in this uh, world that we're now in, uh, you know, expanding that metaphor, those are a lot of the types of services that you actually provide for your clients, right? Right, and more and more people are are realizing that it's something that they can do. It's not as difficult as they might think it is to um, have that kind of invisibility cloak and teleportation at the same time uh, to be able to uh, switch the residency or, or move to a different area. Um, part of the problem is because people are um, spread out, they have their assets spread out, they have their uh, places where they their homes and their businesses spread out over several states and several countries, um, they might run into the problem that several different uh, government entities claim them as residents, when in fact they, they aren't. Um, it, but, it's, but it's not as hard as people think to, to establish that um, and, and choose which jurisdiction you want to uh, be in as far as a resident. Yeah, and, and at the first sign of some Tyrannosaurus Rex being on your scent, 
just being able to teleport somewhere else, uh, and then you can go about your business and uh, and and the Tyrannosaurus Rex will probably go and try to find easier prey to feed on. Uh, you know, they they want to find the children that aren't wrapped in invisibility cloaks and have parents that can teleport them away to safety, and. Uh, yeah, it's very it's very interesting this type of world that we're living in, and uh, some of the people that we've been able to help in in this area. And you know, it's it's almost you know I I'd hate to use the analogy, but it's almost like um, Mr. Schindler from Schindler's List helping people escape from these uh, predatory institutions and megalomaniac leaders that are just uh, trying to really harm people. Let's see here. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to this? No, I mean, you, you mentioned that uh, you just have to make yourself a little bit harder to get than most other people. Um, you know, especially if uh, they're not after you for any illegality or anything like that. They're looking for the easy revenue. They don't want to have to spend money to get the revenue because then they're not going to get as much revenue that way. So you just have to run faster than everybody else <laughs> when you're teleporting or, or putting on that invisibility cloak away from the Tyrannosaurus Rex. You don't have to actually run faster than the Tyrannosaurus Rex. So right, because uh, because like when I was when I was about ten years old, our family was up in Alaska and we were shooting off firecrackers, you know, and it's middle of Fourth of July. Anyways, my mom looked up and she screamed, "Bear!" And there was a there was a gigantic 11 foot tall grizzly bear just barreling down at us at full speed and there's like 30 of us in this gravel quarry uh shooting off fireworks and of course like i just take off running towards the van and my sister she turned around and looked at the bear and froze with fright and fortunately my aunt had uh picked her up and ran with her to the van and fortunately all of us got there safely but you know at the end of the day i didn't have to be faster than my than any you know, I didn't have to be faster than the bear. I just had to be faster than my sister, who probably would have gotten eaten but for my aunt uh, picking her up. And, you know, I think it's the same way with these uh, predatory uh, public schools or other government institutions. You know, as there's six, seven billion of us on this planet, you know, some, uh, not all of the wildebeests are going to get across the river. But, you know, if you can take proactive steps, you can in, you can definitely increase your probability of survival. Right. And, and I do think that, you know, it's definitely, we've got the economics at play here also, you know, they're doing a cost-benefit analysis, uh, they're, they're after the revenue, they're after the easy, low-hanging fruit, the, the crippled or wounded prey, you know, they're not, they're not going to try and spend a bunch of resources going after someone who hasn't committed any wrong uh, or is wanted for any type of criminal activity and so uh, and you know especially when you, when you um, take the laws that apply in mind as you're doing it to avoid accidentally setting off any kind of reporting requirements that you aren't aware of or um, setting off any taxable event that you might not be aware of um, so keeping that in mind as you go through the process is another important piece of it. Yeah, there to avoid, to avoid um, an overzealous uh, uh, 
Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> yeah, t- those, those, well, you know, overzealous is one word, but really, really hungry is another word. And as this credit contraction continues and as uh, revenue gets harder and harder to find and, and tax revenue, well, what happens? Well, they, they start uh, pulling over more people for speeding or writing parking tickets or doing all types of things to engulf people in this police state you know, which is really just the Tyrannosaurus Rex's belly. And the Tyrannosaurus Rex, he's getting hungry, and he's looking for stuff to eat, and, you know, we just don't want to be the ones that, that get eaten. <laughs> and uh, and I think that it's important for us to remember that, especially in California, because, I mean, you look at California and the budget deficits that are going on there, and, I mean, it's getting pretty bad. Right. And, and really, I think the way it's going is going in the direction of automatic enforcement, things like um, the red light cameras or the cameras on the side of the freeway that you start to see in some of these um, states and some of these cities around, that's the way that it's going uh, for a lot of things, not just with eating, because that is, they can catch every single person that does it, and they can catch it at very little cost to the state. Um, So, you know, if you're already set up and established um, and have your processes in place before they even set up the automatic enforcement mechanism um, in, in, in the future, uh, the, the better off you're going to be. Right. Uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, you know, we'll have to do another podcast about uh, kind of the economics of these automatic uh, speeding light cameras that are going on because... Uh, you know, there are a lot of due process concerns there, and there are actually a lot of ways that one can avoid even responding to the mail uh, that, that comes with those. You know, it depends on the state, but uh, kind of not just rolling over and saying, eat me, Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, uh, kind of standing up to uh, a little bit of that. But I suppose that'll be the subject for yet another podcast, which will be quite fun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, taking this kind of last minute and uh, providing a little bit of fun discussion for our readers here at Run to Gold. Oh, it's always fun. Thanks. Yeah, you've been listening. This is the 69th episode of the RunToGold.com podcast. We just interviewed Bill Rounds, a California attorney who co-authors How to Vanish dot com with me, and we were discussing the privacy issues that arose uh, with these poor women in in Britain who had their children kidnapped and what you can do to protect yourself from it. Fear not, chuckleheads. Together we're going to face the future, the light that is our destiny. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the awakening.